Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Blue Wire. Welcome back. It's the Big Blue Banter, New York Giants football podcast. I'm Dan Schneier, joined as always by co-host Nick Pilato. And today we're here to do one of our final draft podcasts of the pre-draft season. We know we've done a lot. It's been over one per day. Um, so hopefully you've been able to catch up. I know a lot of you said it's hard to catch up on. So we're going to keep that in mind for next year. We might do something different along the lines of that. But if you haven't caught up on all of them, this is probably a good one to listen to. Uh, because we're going to talk about a lot of players we've discussed already. Some we maybe haven't discussed as much in depth. And we're doing a My Guys show. So for this type of show, what this means is these are players who are either Nick's guys or my guys based on value. So we like them a lot more than the consensus mock draft board. It's essentially the best way to look at this thing. And they're players that we would put our foot in the ground for, stick our foot in the ground for, and really defend. And players who in some cases we want on the Giants and others we may not want based on the fit, where they're projected to go, what positions the Giants actually need. But they're players that we would get behind regardless of where they fit in the Giants landscape of all this. Though some of these players will fit what the Giants want to do. So we'll probably do like three, four, five, six players each. And then we're going to do a little rapid fire, my guys, at the end, where we'll give each other like 30 seconds each just to give a quick synopsis of a player that they like. So, Nick, you can start this first uh, with one of your my guys. And this will be the offensive side of the ball. We'll do a separate one for the defense. This is a player, Dan, that we have discussed ad nauseum to this point. We, we've talked about him a lot. I, I fell in love with this player when I started watching tape at the end of the uh, regular season for the NFL, and it's Houston's Tank Dell, Nathaniel Tank Dell. Look, I understand he is five foot eight, one hundred and what sixty five pounds, and I like Emmanuel Forbes, who's one hundred and sixty six pounds. Maybe it's something about me just liking these smaller players, but I'm just going off of the traits that they displayed on film. I think there is a path where Tank Dell gets to the NFL. And he flames out and you never freaking hear from him again because he goes to the wrong coaching staff that doesn't understand how to employ his skill set. But I think a team like the New York Giants, who has Brian Dable, they have Mike Kafka, they have a very progressive minded coaching staff that leverages and uses wide receivers who know how to create separation, who know how to release off the line of scrimmage. Tank Dell does all those things. And I'm telling you, man, when I was watching this kid, yeah, he's five foot eight, whatever. He does not look like it out there. He does not play like it out there. And I'm not saying that he's Cedric Tillman or anything like that. But if you told me he was 5'11", just off the tape, I probably would have believed you. And he might not have the the, uh, breakaway speed. And I think he can break away. And he's just crazy in space in terms of how he picks up yards after the catch. But his suddenness and his quickness and his ability to go from zero to 100, immediate acceleration, that is invaluable in today's NFL. And it's one of the best change. He is one of the best change of direction athletes I've seen come into the draft since Kadarius Tony. So I'm going to put my nice little stamp on Tank Dell. He is currently ranked 78th on the NFL mock draft database. And the Giants selected him before that. I don't think I would throw a fit. 
It's just, he is small and that has to be weighed into this, but I really appreciate his skill set, and I could see him having an impact as a wide receiver three, or just like one of the better gadget type of players in the NFL at the next level. Yeah. And I think when you watch Dell, there's even a chance for him to be not saying that's what you're limiting him to, but like an outside receiver. I know everyone's like, Oh, he's too small to play. But then when you watch him on film, you're like, I don't know about that because there are a lot of smaller corners in the NFL level, first of all. And he wins in ways that don't really suggest a player of his size would win it. Like you just don't see players of his stature typically winning the ways he in the ways he does, including contested catch situations, which on top of everything you said is there. It's at least a it's at least a somewhat part of his profile. Now, will it translate to the next level? I don't know. The catch radius concerns are definitely a thing. And like, you know, being able to consistently beat press man outside also a thing there with Tank Dell. But like you said, the, the film speaks for itself. He is much better on tape than he's giving credit for, I think. And I think he's much closer to some of these top wide receivers, honestly, than, than he's further away, if that makes sense. Like the drop off between the Flowers, Addisons of the world versus the Dells is not as big as where his size might suggest he's going to go in the NFL draft or we ultimately do see him going. I don't think that's a terrible take, man. Like I'm not going to be shocked if Tank Dell were to crack my top five wide receivers. I don't think he will, if I'm going to be honest, but he's at least in the conversation there. Because of everything, man, because of how he extends away from his frame, because how he just catches the football in stride, doesn't have to slow down because of how he changes direction. It's all right there on tape. And he had what, like 17 touchdowns this year. He was wildly productive at Houston for Clayton Toon. So I really appreciate everything that he can bring to a football team. And I'm looking forward to covering his career. Yeah, we'll see what happens with Dell at the NFL draft or at the NFL level in, in, in this draft. First player I'm going to go with is one of my guys on the offensive side of the ball is Kendry Miller, the running back out of TCU. Hasn't got as much draft buzz as, in my opinion, he definitely should have had. He's a top 30 visit for the Giants, so there's at least some level of interest or they wanted to find out more information about him. We don't know. But this is a player who I just can't understand why he's not getting more buzz. Because he didn't test. I guess because he didn't test, yeah. Um, but outside of that, which I think he would have tested pretty well anyway, but it's hard to know that. This is a guy with a really, really good profile. The running back out of TCU. What really interests me the most about Kendry Miller is the comp game's funny, Nick. Like when you're making NFL comps, you either don't see what other people say because there's a million people saying a million things about every draft person, or you might see someone and you give it credit. But I feel like the comp I had for Kendry and his profile that I that I drafted up for CBS a while ago. I heard it. I didn't hear it at that point. And now I recently am hearing it from a few people and that's Aaron Jones. And I do really see a lot of Aaron Jones in his game. It's that ability to just stop and start and replant and do all of that at 215 pounds. This is not a smaller back in the sense of like some of these other guys like Ataje Spears, or even as you get down the line, like Devin a chain and players like that, he has more size to his profile. Uh, he was 13th among all draft, draft eligible players in yards after contact per attempt, sixth in force missed tackles. Those are the two advanced stats I always look for the most. I like the fact that he won out the job against Zach Evans, who was a higher ranked prospect at TCU, five star. He beat him out to the point where Evans had to transfer. And then he finished the next season, this past season at TCU, the first time he actually had an opportunity to play a, a, a you know, a major role. The six most yards after contact, 816. Uh, what was it? Forced a missed tackle on 70 of his attempts, seventh best, 6.2 yards per carry, 17 touchdowns. The production is there. The TCU offense, in my mind, looked noticeably worse without him against Michigan when he was injured for that college playoff game. But that was important as well. 
within his profile. I feel like he has just this uncanny ability to get in and out of in and out of his cuts and use his speed while also using his kind of agility and lateral agility. He won't turn 21 until June. So I thought that was something that will potentially interest the Giants. Definitely interest me. There's room to grow here. Um, some stats that Justin Pennick actually put out that I saw that I thought were interesting. 8.3 explosive run rate, 0.110 uh, rushing yards over attempt, uh, rushing yards over expected per attempt. So some uh, also a running back who can do things that you know are independent of his offensive line and what the blocking gives to him. So Kendry Miller to me doesn't have many weaknesses in his game. I'm I'm surprised he's viewed as like more like a top 100 prospect instead of like a top 70 or top 60. If he didn't hurt his knee at the end of the season, which held him out of the national championship game, he very well might be in the discussion with the Tajay Spears of the world, like around oh, that sorry. I also meant the Georgia game, not Michigan. My bad. Yeah, yeah. He did not play in the Georgia game. This is a player, dude, that I, I did an evaluation on early in the process, and I'm right there with you. He's one of my, my guys that I was going to talk about when uh, that's not bolded. I saw him on your list as well, but I really loved his game. Here's my quick synopsis on him, if I may. Kendry Miller is well-built and difficult to tackle due to his solid blend of physicality and slipperiness. He's not a true pile mover, but he's not easy to bring down either. Miller's vision and excellent juking ability combined with great linear speed and acceleration can set him up for success to break long runs at the next level. His profile is not complete. He was a one-year starter with limited receiving production. The NFL scouting combine will be significant for Miller. I wrote this before that. Unfortunately, he was not able to take part in the testing portion of that. His knee was not healthy enough, but he was an exciting player at TCU, and he will look to build upon that great junior campaign as a professional running back. I think this is a prognostication type of picks. I think you can select him and you're going to be receiving more at a value. Cause I think there is more to be had more than what we saw at the collegiate level. If you turn on his Oklahoma tape, he had two touchdowns. He had a 15 yard touchdown and then like a 60 yard touchdown or something like that. The 15 yard touchdown, the way he was able to time up his juke back to the inside on a power gap concept on the kickout block, it was freaking phenomenal. And then once he put that inside foot in the ground, he was able to quickly accelerate right off of that to break the angle of the safety for for six on that specific play so man i'm uh, i'm right there with you with kendry miller yeah kendry miller definitely a player who i hope the giants will potentially take in this draft that they have the opportunity to on day three who's the next guy you have as your my guy after tank dell next guy on my list is michael wilson now this one is going to be only if he's available on day three michael wilson out of stanford the stanford cardinal himself team leader, team captain, has not finished the last three seasons of college football. You're talking about a player who has played in like, what, 16 games maybe over the last three seasons because of all the injuries that he has suffered. But you want to talk about somebody who is a determined and violent route runner. That's Michael Wilson, somebody who can make contested catches, somebody who has, I would say, Good overall size, right? Like he's like six foot one, 207 pounds or something. I don't have his measurements in front of me right now. But if you're talking about getting this guy in the fourth, fifth round, because everybody is just scared of his medicals. And if there isn't a degenerative issue with any of his medicals, and these were just kind of freak foot injuries because he sustained two separate foot injuries. I think he got injured the day after he got cleared. He got cleared to play, got injured, re-injured himself. That's just really, really bad luck. Didn't see the seat, didn't see the field until the end of the season. But man, bro, this guy could be a huge value if he could just freaking stay healthy. And he has all the intangibles that the Giants are looking for in terms of being a leader, in terms of being somebody who's going to block his ass off. So I think he could be an effective weapon at all three levels of the field, despite the fact that he's not a blazer. That's not really his game. But you need someone to win 
someone to find space in the short to intermediate parts of the field, someone to win up his route stem to manipulate defensive backs. That's Michael Wilson. Yeah, I really like that call. Wilson reminded me of a less athletic, maybe less fast version of George Pickens in the sense that both players use have great size, their profile and a great frame, and yet use their footwork, use their ability to get in and out of cuts, use their deceptiveness as route runners. They're savvy to create separation on all three levels, including the vertical level where I think you're right. Michael Wilson can potentially be a player who can stack uh, on vertical vertical routes and get on top of corners and use his body and his size to position himself to make plays in the vertical game. In addition to obviously what you expect him to do, which is kind of the underneath stuff, using his body again to out physical corners, things of that nature, but just a deceptively great route runner for someone of his size. And you would expect to see when you're watching him, someone who can run routes that well and create that kind of separation from a smaller receiver, like some of the other receivers we're going to talk about in this class. And yet you get it with the size package as well with Wilson. Obviously the big thing with him is just the medicals. We don't know anything about his situation as far as what the team see and how they view it. But like you said, hasn't been able to really finish out many, many games at the collegiate level continues to get injuries over and over again. But I do think the interesting thing you mentioned too, was the fact that he is a team captain. So that's something that I think will appeal to the Giants as well. Next, my guy I'm going to go with is not a player. I think the Giants are going to be in any range to select unless they trade back. Even then, I don't think they would use a premium pick at this position, but I don't care. This is a my guy. I'm just, I, this show is about picking guys who you think can be great values and great players at the next level, which is unfortunately for our job, Nick, since we're prognosticating, highly dependent on where they land, the coaching staff, um, yeah. the teammates, but it's okay. That's the, that's life of doing this. And I'm willing to stick my, you know, plant in the ground for this player. And that's Luke Musgrave, the tight end out of Oregon state. This is a pure projection play for me, but I am so excited about his projection. So a little background on Luke Musgrave. He is uh, part of the family of Bill Musgrave. I believe that's his uncle and Bill Musgrave, longtime NFL coordinator, quarterbacks, coach, tight ends. he's coached like every position on offense and coordinated a lot of offenses as well. Uh, Definitely some football in the family there. Also, his mom was an Olympic skier, I believe. So also, and he play, and his background is in lacrosse, which you could see in his ability, uh, kind of the movement skills. And that's what it comes down to for me with Luke Musgrave. I watched his senior bull tape, and then I watched just what, what he was able to do last year before his injury. And there is no tight end in this class, in my opinion, who has as much receiving upside in this, in this draft and in a long damn time than Luke Musgrave. Because when you watch him at the top of his routes, that could be vertical routes where obviously I believe he is at his best, but it's not just the vertical routes. And I think a lot of this is that lacrosse background. It's every single route that he runs. He separates easily from safeties and linebackers. I get it. There's not a huge sample size of him doing this, but his ability to create that separation is not seen by Michael Mayer. Not really seen by Dalton Kincaid. Dalton Kincaid to me is a little bit of a different kind of separator. I can see why some people might think it's the same, but Dalton Kincaid to me is better at getting open quick, catching the ball, and then doing more after the catch. Musgrave is better, in my opinion, at getting open down the field at the top of routes in the intermediate and vertical game. I don't know if he's going to be as much of a short game factor as a Kincaid type, but I honestly see more upside because of the stride length, because of the size, and because at all, with all of that in his profile, Musgrave, he still is able to separate from these linebackers and, and safeties. Um, and specifically, again, this is not a large sample size of him doing this, but it's from what I saw at the Senior Bowl and then the dominant play he had at the beginning of this past season before the injury. I mean, he was close to 200-yard games in a row there, just looked un unstoppable to me on the football field. And then you look at the athletic profile as it projects forward. Like you just don't see tight ends come into the NFL nearly six foot six, 253 pounds 
with 461 speed, 88 percentile, which is insane, honestly, at 253. Uh, and I got to be honest, when I watch him, I feel like it's understated in some way. He looks more like a 455 or a 45 flat type of speed to me when he's separating from these players. 10 yard split was amazing. So it shows the short area acceleration quickness. That's 158. Hand size, great. I know there's issues with drops in his profile, but you have to hope that with the right coaching, drills practicing he can improve on that and the fact that he has 87 percentile hand size probably helps in that regard vertical jump great broad jump 93rd percentile so he's just the elite athlete at the position with also the ability to separate on the vertical plane which i don't think anyone has in this class at this position at six foot six rare frame he's not a good blocker now i think he can be a good blocker with that kind of frame obviously that requires him to take well to the coaching and care about it and want want to get better at it but I can't guarantee any of those things, and I have no idea how they'll play out the NFL level, Nick, but I know for a fact that we're not going to see a tight end who can move, in my opinion, the way he can, especially on the vertical plane, in a long time at six foot six. So this is a player I would bet on being a much better NFL player than a college player. Let's hope that he's a better NFL player than a college player because he only has in his entire career 47 catches for 633 yards, two touchdowns, and then the nine drops. But everything Dan said is correct in terms of how natural this kid is as a mover, how smooth he is. You mentioned his lacrosse background. You mentioned how his mother was a skier. This guy's also a skier. You know how much balance and core strength it takes to be like right. a high-end, high-level skier? It takes a lot, and you can see that in Musgrave's game. I wish we got to see a little bit more of him, and if we did, maybe he would be the surefire number one tight end in a very deep at the top tight end class. I mean, there's so many great tight ends in this class. I mean, this guy, man, ran a one- five, four, 10 yard split. And you can see that type of explosiveness when he fires off the line of scrimmage. I would say Dalton Kincaid, in my opinion, is better in terms of ball skills and things like that on the vertical plane in the intermediate. He probably has the best hands out of anybody in this class, which is crazy to think it's going to be like a great big slot. I don't have Dalton Kincaid as one of my, my guys, but I do appreciate his skill set. But I do, however, think Luke Musgrave, and you brought this up, has a much better profile to project as a blocker moving forward. So I think there might be a little bit more there for Musgrave over a Kincaid just because tight end, that's a very comprehensive and complete position. You need to know how to block or you're going to be limited to like a big slot role. Yep. All right, let's get to another player you have. Yeah, I want to stay right here in the in the tight end position, man, and go with Sam Laporta. That's it's the tight end out of Iowa. Now, he played on one of the ugliest offenses. We talk about it a lot not only in the Big Ten, but in college football. And he only has 1,786 yards to his name, five touchdowns. But this is another player that when you watch him fire off the line of scrimmage and you watch the subtle movements in and out of his breaks and up his route stem, you can see how he is going to give a lot of fits to linebackers and to safeties because he's deceptive with how he disguises his intentions and how he runs his routes. He had 14 drops. He had nine of them in the past or 11 of them in the past two seasons. So that's something he's going to have to clean up. Granted, his drops were coming from a quarterback that was not all that accurate. So it wasn't like he was just dropping a lot of these easy passes that were hitting him in the chest and things of that nature. But if Sam Laporta is there at the end of day two, I think you could be getting a value here for a player who ran a 1-5-5, 10-yard split, a 4-5-9 at 245 pounds. He's only six foot three. He has big 10 and one-fourth inch hands. He's an explosive player, ran a sub-7-3 cone, and you could see all of those agility drills kind of pop up when he is out there running his routes. And I think he's another one who would be an effective weapon in the short to intermediate parts of the field while also having that seam stretching ability. So I do like Sam Laporta. He's 
probably my fifth favorite tight end in this class could be argued, but we're talking about value here. And in this deep tight end class, dude, if he does fall pick like 90 or something like that, that's just like an insane value for a player like this. Yeah. I like Laporta a lot as well. I think Dane Brugler said it best. He's like, you're going to be able to get Laporta sometime on day two, maybe even in round three, like you mentioned, Nick. And in any other class, he might be a tight end one. And that's how good, that's a testament to how strong this tight end class is at the top. And even as it gets deeper, there's some guys I like as well. Yeah, he would have been the tight end one last year, right? Easily, easily for me. Over over the Colorado State kid. and Definitely over McBride. McBride. Um, and, I, and as far as Dolchich goes, it's like that's such a different kind of style of tight end, if you even want to call him that. It's amazing that he was the tight end, too, in that class, which just goes to show like how because he wouldn't be in the top six for me either in this class. Like even like a player like I like I like Dolchich, but I don't know if I liked him that much more than Will Ma- than Mallory, the kid out of Miami, like hmm. to me, like I know I can see like he's a little bit better of a receiver Dolchich, but. I don't know. I didn't feel like it was anything crazy there. So I don't know. Just an interesting tight end class with a lot of depth. Let's move on to another player here that we have ranked here uh, in our in our my guys or we have pinpointed in our my guys. And we'll go with Tajay Spears here for me. Tulane running back. We've done a draft profile on him and then we did a long episode in the mock. So I'm not going to get too much more into it. Obviously, some of the most standout things are his ability to create after contact. I think 1,052 of his yards, of his 1,500 yards were after contact. And you could see it when you watch him. There's just people sh- falling off, sh- just <laughs> not being able to hold on to his legs as he's running through tackles, which is crazy. Shows the kind of core strength he has. I love his style. That's the number one thing for me with Tajay Spears, his violent nature of his running style. I do think it makes him potentially a better fit for his own system, but I think he can run in any system. And I don't think it's like the giants are not just running specific power and gap every single play. They're mixing in tons of different concepts. As we've talked about new things in the run game every week from Kafka and Dable and in within that there's enough zone. So, but either way, I think he can play in any system. Tajay Spears, there's not much. I that's like for me, like when I look at a player like that, I feel like, all right, why is he not being discussed as like a top 50 or 60 pick? Part of it is he plays running back. Sure. And then the other part of it is just people think his size and they think of his size and they use that against him. But watching him play, I don't really see the issue, the size being much of an issue in his game. So I know a lot of people say he has to be like a spark back, uh, space back at the next level. I don't see it. I feel like he could be the lead back in your offense. You may not want to do like a Saquon Barkley type thing where you're giving him 90% of the touches or whatever, but you don't really want to do that anyway. <laughs> the NFL level, that's like not a good option. I don't think for NFL franchises in the first place. So Tajay Spears is a player. I think probably one of my 50, 60 f- best players, favorite players in this class. And I don't know for sure if he's going to be selected that high. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. He only had three career fumbles to Tajay Spears. He was yeah, he's surprising. He's the 77th ranked player on the on the consensus uh, big board right now, just ahead of Tank Dell. And I could easily make an argument that he should be ranked higher than that based on the skill set that he offers. But positional value could 
be grouped into that as well. And he's also on my list too. He's one of my unbolded players, but I'm going to go over a player that you and I both have on our respective lists. And that is Charlie Jones, the wide receiver out of Purdue. Charlie Jones, I believe he's ranked in like the one fifties or something. I'll look it up real quick, but this is just so yeah, one fifty on the dot. Wow. What a guess. I haven't seen that, but this is a player, man, who look all odds against him went to Buffalo. Then I believe he walked on at Iowa and was just basically a special teamer there. He he had some production, but Iowa, like we said, is, is a really weird offense. So they weren't really leveraging his skill set all that much. And he wasn't finding a every down role there. So he transfers per, to Purdue, which is a much more pass heavy, pass oriented attack. And in doing so, he's able to, I believe he broke records there for the Purdue Boilermakers by going for 110 receptions for over 1300 yards with 12 touchdowns and only three drops. And he was beating corners like Joey Porter Jr. He wasn't just going up against your average tax accountants and things like that. Like he was going up against some top level guys on the outside. He can't align in the slot. And I think that's probably the argument. Can you align him on the outside? Well, watch his release package. He's releasing against press. He's doing a good job creating separation, stacking cornerbacks not getting squeezed off of the red line. I would say providing a very reliable back shoulder option for Aiden O'Connell. It was really apparent that Aiden O'Connell and Charlie Jones were kind of on the same page early on, even though this is somebody who was with Purdue for one season. So he really ingratiated himself into that offense and became that offense at five foot 11, 175 pounds. The size is going to be used against him. The fact that he'll turn 25 at the end of October, that's not a great thing. He has sub 32 inch arms. I get that. But you want to talk about somebody whose floor is going to be an elite special teams return specialist. Cause that's what he did at Iowa. And that's what he, I think he had two touchdowns returning punts and kicks. If I'm not mistaken, but his ceiling to me is somebody who could possibly ceiling be a really reliable number two receiver or a slot option who's just going to be the quarterback's best friend because he understands how how to get open, where to be, when to be there, and he has really reliable hands. Yeah, I think Charlie Jones is one of the several players who made both of our lists here. We're both extremely high on him. I just feel like there's not too much to knock in his game, I guess, other than the size and the vertical speed, but I've seen him win on the vertical plane with just his ability to, like you said, have a really good release off the line of scrimmage, understand space, understand how to stack the corner. Maybe that doesn't work at the NFL level. I don't know, but at worst you get a guy you can put in the slot and you're going to get reliability out of him and get someone who's amazing at the catch point. Like you talked about, and who can get in and out of his breaks pretty fast. Plus most importantly, release well off the line of scrimmage, uh, Diverse release package, gets open consistently, beat Joey Porter in some reps in that game I watched against Penn State. So a player who maybe his age drops him to day three, no matter what type of thing. And that's fine with me. Like the Giants have an opportunity to take him anywhere on day three. I would consider that to be a value pick. And if they took him at 89 overall, I'd also consider that to be a value pick personally. Because I just think he can easily contribute something to the offense where normally the guys you get at 89 could be like Matt. That's like the Matt Parrot range. That's when you start to get into like just total flyers. You're either betting on traits or you're betting on production. With Jones, it would be betting on production and not traits and film. Um, which typically I like to bet on traits in general, but not always, <laughs> especially when it feels like the traits are actually good with Jones. They're just not testing traits. They're like the traits you see when you watch the actual player play. So Charlie Jones, the next guy, another player for us, that's going to be on here. We actually have one of the few guys on this list that we haven't talked about a lot. The only, the only difference with doing a, my guys list is you're going to have a lot of players you already discussed, but that's okay. This is not a player we've discussed a lot. It's Tyler Scott, the wide receiver out of Cincinnati. He's one of my favorite value plays at the position by far. 
Um, so he previously got clocked running a 4-2-9 40-yard dash. But then at his combine, it was 4-4. And at his pro day, it was 4-3-6. So he's somewhere in between there, I guess, in that range. But to me, it doesn't really matter what he tests that from a time, from a speed standpoint. When you watch him play, you can see that his speed is at a different level. Specifically speaking, his breakaway speed is at a completely different level. The way he separates from defensive backs at the at the level he played, the conference he played in at Cincinnati, it's special. The East Carolina clip you put up a, a few months ago, Nick, that's like my favorite one, obviously, where he catches a slant and just somehow finds a way to like gain four or five yards of separation on defensive backs who are in front of him at the point of the catch, which is incredible to me. Um, and it shows the type of player he is, but he also has a much thicker and stronger lower half than I think people give him credit for. And he's a former running back and option quarterback. So there's still a lot of rawness in his game. He's more to me of like an athlete out there, but I think that running back background actually helps him when he's in the open field in finding space and creating space. And then, you know, by creating and finding space, using that to his advantage to create explosive plays. Also, I feel like it helps him when he gets in and out of his breaks. I think he does a really good job of getting low at the catch point and then re-exploding. I saw him on a bunch of like comeback type routes where he catches the ball and then his transition upfield is special to me. In addition to obviously the slants that he can just house from taking upfield. So to me, he has a special level of acceleration to his game. That's the defining trait for me. 5'10", 177 pounds, not a big receiver. Um, but no receiver that I watched during this process was open more vertically when in the situations when the ball either A, didn't come his way or the quarterback was sacked and just never could get his way. Him and Zay Flowers were one and two in that regard for me. And that says a lot. And obviously Jalen Hyatt was open a lot in the vertical plane, but he got the ball because Hendon Hooker actually could get it out there to him Started. and actually saw it. And that was like the whole offense just getting the ball out there. So these two players, I think the production well, with Scott specifically, the production could have been way better. In my opinion, if he was on a better, if you know, he had a better quarterback play, better passing game in general. But still, despite that, he had 900 yards this year, nine touchdowns, all of his 12 touchdowns over the last two years, 20 plus yards. He is an explosive playmaker with 80th percentile 10 yard split, 96 and 89 percentile on the broad and vertical jumps. He can go up there and get it. He has the ability to explode. And the Giants are reportedly interested in him, at least according to Tony Pauline. So I thought that was interesting because they've kept that interest pretty quiet. That was only really he who who said that. I don't think he was part of the 30 visits or anything. So if the Giants took him at any point on day two, I'd actually think it was a value and I'd be really happy with it. Even at 57 overall, I'm on board personally. I would say one receiver who could also contend Tyler Scott with I'm wide open, but the football's not coming yeah. to me is Marvin Mims. At oh, Oklahoma. yeah. <laughs> Marvin Mim, that quarterback situation was was terrible and he had to adjust and he did so well too. And I don't know if he's a my guy because I feel like a lot of people like Marvin Mims, right? But like I do appreciate his skill set. And I think he is a realistic option for the Giants in the second round if they don't draft a wide receiver in the first round. My last guy that I have bolded, it's not sexy. We've talked about him a lot on the podcast, so we don't need to go over him too extensively. But that is John Michael Schmitz. And I don't necessarily want the Giants to select this guy in the first round. I'll say that flat out. But in the second round where the Giants are picking, if John Michael Schmitz is around, that is a that is a very solid, smart pick. It's a prudent pick at that point of the draft because I think the value is there. I don't have many glaring weaknesses with his game other than the fact that he's like he's not the thickest. He's like 305 pounds. At least that's what he was at his pro day. He was 301 pounds at the combine. I don't see him as a high-end athlete. I think Joe Tittman blows him out of the water in that in that sense. But I do believe he's just reliable. He's a very, very good run blocker. 
Now they ran a lot of outside zone, but when he had to fold block, he pulled and he got out of his stance and he reoriented and he located well. But I also think he is a good pass blocker too. He's not light on his feet in space, but as a pass blocker, he frames his blocks well and he can mirror these defensive. He understands how to utilize leverage and hand placement and all the little nuanced things that we talk about when it comes to playing the offensive line. So I don't find it to be a sexy pick, but I would be fine with this selection, even though he is 24 years old. And I think uh, my final player for that we wanted to talk in depth about was going to be Charlie Jones. So we've already covered him. Nick got into that. So let's wrap this thing up by doing a rapid fire type round where we just give off my guys and you have to do it PTI style. So we have no more than 30 seconds to talk. I'm going to, we're going to allow each other to self police this, but uh, let's, let's try to keep it tight if we can. So I'm going to start with, uh, running back out of Auburn tank Bigsby for me, the difference with tank Bigsby is you watch him go from zero to 60. It's that stop and start ability. It's that ability gets low, that contact, the pad level so low when he runs the ball and he just explodes in and out of his cuts. I love tanks, big tank Bigsby. There's been not much talk about him, but he's another player who I'd love the giants get probably closer. If we could get it to that 89th pick or day four, but I think he's a complete profile type running back. Maybe the passing game comes along at the NFL level type of thing. And I just like how low he runs and his ability to explode in and out of his breaks. I think he's got the acceleration. He's got the juice. That's really what it comes down to with Bigsby for me. So that's it? Just tank Bigsby? Or do you want to go oh, on? No, I'll do one. You do one. I'll do one. You oh, okay. Do one. That's yeah. how we're doing it. All right. Yeah, I'll go with, Um, we already talked about Taji Spears and Kendry Miller. So those are two of the guys on my list. So I'm just going to give my opinion on Zay Flowers, who I would be okay with at 25. Look, I don't really necessarily want the Giants to go wide receiver at 25, but if it is Jordan Addison, if it is Zay Flowers, and even if it's Quentin Johnston, I'm not going to be upset about it because I believe that this coaching staff and this front office are on the same page and they're so, they're so um collectively intertwined to where if Brian Dable is advocating to add a guy like Quinton Johnson and they vetted him, I believe that they're going to find a way to maximize that skill set and maybe coach out some of the more undesirable traits that I saw on film. So that's kind of my way of thinking with Quinton Johnston. But in terms of Zay Flowers, look, dude, we've talked about him a ton on this podcast. This is somebody who can uncover at all three levels of the field. He can track the football. Yes, he's not the biggest guy, but you need dudes who can create space in the NFL when these windows are very, very tight. I think Zay Flowers can do that, and he can help this offense in general create explosive plays. And that's what the Giants need. They need to know how to. They need to do a better job creating explosive plays. So Zay Flowers is on that list too. Yeah, Flowers made mine rapid fire. I'll, I'll knock him off now. I think you broke down some of the best parts about him. Uh, so let's go on to another one, and I'm just going by position. So you'll see a lot of the same position at first, and that's Roshan Johnson, the running back out of Texas. I believe something crazy, like over 50% of his yards came after contact. You watch this guy run, and to me, I just can see already this is going to be another one of those dudes who didn't have a super special 40 time, doesn't have the blazing athleticism that jumps off the roof, kind of like a Ramondre Stevenson from a couple years ago. But somehow, when you watch them play, they do what actually matters at the NFL level, force, miss tackles, and create yards after contact. When you have those traits, it's hard to not win, and yet you get this type of guy in round four, in my opinion, he'll most likely be going just like Armandre Stevenson did. So just an easy value win for me with a shot Johnson the, with the idea in mind that if he didn't play behind Bijan Robinson, his whole career, we could be looking at a totally different draft profile and expectation for where he's going to get drafted right now. So my offensive lineman that I have here that wasn't bolded, but on this list is John Gaines. We've spoken about him pretty extensively, very good run blocker. Ideally fits in his own blocking scheme, good overall body control, athletic ability, blew up the combine, has quick feet, excellent change of direction skills, showed 
examples of impressive mental processing to understand and eliminate threats, whether that be linebackers penetrating or while on the twist game in pass protection. I just think his elite, I think his combination of his light feet with those athletic ability will will really prompt an offensive line coach to look past the correctable issues that he has in pass protection, the lunging, the fact that he punches and his timing is erratic, the fact that his stance is way too high. He doesn't really handle counters all that well. I think all those things can be correctable with coaching. And for a day three pick, a player with this type of baseline athletic traits in the sense of that's like you, you have a high end player. When I say baseline, I don't mean like it's the low level of athletic traits. I just mean he has the athletic traits. So there's still so much room for him to improve. I think it's a wise move to bring this guy in and see if Bobby Johnson can create gold out of this player who used to play for the Bruins. Yeah, I like it. All right, I'm going to go to my next guy, same position, Chase Brown, running back, Illinois. Or Sorry, the position I was discussing before. It's going down my list. Chase Brown, running back at Illinois. Type of guy I went back and watched after kind of looking at his profile, and I was like, this dude's actually already a pretty productive runner. I like how he gets in and out of his cuts. Kind of reminds me in some ways of like a lighter version of a Kendra Miller. Um, but maybe more explosiveness. He tested crazy on the on the broad and the vertical jump, which shows off like that explosive ability that could be in his future profile. Um, everyone said he looked good at the senior bowl, and I thought he looked good in the one-on-one reps as well. So there could be a potential upside here for receiving profile as well out of Chase Brown. So he's just another player I'm interested in on day three for the Giants. I think the last player I'll go over, and I've only seen a couple tapes of this kid. I watched the Kansas film, is Bryce Ford Wheaton out of West Virginia. And this is somebody who people are talking about in the seventh round. He is a six foot, what, three, 221 pounder who ran a four, three, eight with a one, five, two, 10 yard split, long as arms, 82 and one fourth inch wingspan. He's 23 years old, played in a very, I would say unproductive offense that maybe didn't maximize his skill set, aligned predominantly on the left side of the line of scrimmage, but bet on the traits type of players. I would say Bryce Ford Wheaton and then Princeton's Andre Yoshivas, who I think might go before Bryce Ford Wheaton, are two players that I have my eye on as late round punt wide receivers to develop who could possibly end up developing into something really special because they are freak athletes at least. And let's see if Mike Groh can get something a little bit more out of them. I like those calls. And we'll go over a few more of mine that I have because of a much... Uh... A few left I wanted to get to. Dwayne McBride, the running back out of UAB. I felt like he had the best vision of any running back in this class. Loved his ability to cut back. Loved it. Loved how easily he gets in and out of cuts. Powerful back, but despite having a lot of size to him, shows really good niftiness and footwork. Doesn't have long speed. Doesn't have much receiving profile. So I don't know what kind of what kind of like event investment NFL it. teams. Yeah, Isn't that I don't know if that's something people want to invest in. But to be fair, people are probably saying the exact same shit about Ramondre Stevenson. When he came out. My, my thing about McBride is I'm yeah. right there with you. I, I think he might have some of the best vision in this class. It's crazy. Yeah. But dude, the the lack of receiving profile. That's whatever. But the fumbling man, he needs. Is, yeah, huge issue. Not good. Not good at all. That is something that, you know, somebody even without receiving profile that might have worked the NFL level probably wouldn't have like a Stevenson type, but we'll see if he can overcome that. Another player that I'm moving on to is offensive tackle, though. I think he could play best at guard at the next level. Matthew Bergeron out of Syracuse. Talked about him on the podcast before and in in last week. Just love his story from Canada. 
didn't wasn't going to get into wasn't going to play D1 football went to a Syracuse football camp they love what they saw immediately he starts playing within his first year there doesn't take it doesn't miss a beat plays multiple positions for them produces has great PFF grades not that anyone cares about that really but you have to care a little bit about it right like these guys are grading the games it should be worth something I think I mean Andrew Thomas grades well and he had a great season on tape so just one example there but just a player who I think could be a great guard for the Giants but also potentially have tackle possibility and then a few more players on along the same lines are Braden Daniels out of Utah he's an offensive tackle that I think will kick inside to either center or guard I'd love to see him at center for the Giants just insane movement skills I know he's only 293 so it might be easier to move at 293 than if he bulks up a bit which I'm sure he will but if he fills out that profile and doesn't lose that athleticism which I think is possible based on his frame there's a chance that this dude could be like a really freaking great offensive lineman and a weapon in your run game. And you're going to get him on day three or potentially day two, late day two. So that to me is a, is a major upside profile. I actually recently heard Daniel Jeremiah talking about him. I caught up in like probably like 10 to 15 hours of, of um, move the sticks podcast this weekend, Nick, cause I was doing a ton of driving to various places on Saturday and Sunday, like long ass drives back and forth. So it was like six and a half hours of podcast content there. And he talked about Braden Daniels as a player who NFL teams like a lot more than he's seeing in the mock drafts because of that athleticism. So someone to keep an eye on there, Cody mock, another player who he s- spoke of in a similar way. I just love the giants to get out of North Dakota state, another guy, offensive tackle, but, comes in the senior bowl, never played center. They ask him to do some snaps at center and he looks comfortable there. I think that's ultimately the best position for him. He is going to be one of those guys where if the giants draft him, he's going to be a fan favorite within weeks because he's going to have a training camp clip where he finishes a block or he's going to have a preseason clip where he just gets all up in someone's face and finishes a block with that nastiness that he has and that nasty streak he has. And people are going to love that. And I just think that's one part of his game. That's cool. But I love the movement skills. Same thing with Daniels. Those are two movement skills type of guys. Finally, Joe Tipman, center out of Wisconsin. It's another similar thing. Six foot six with movement skills. And you can squat 620 pounds. And I think the functional strength is there. He just has to work on leverage, which may or may not improve at the next level. There's tons of risk in this profile, given the fact that he's 6'6 and has technical issues, especially even, even some things that I thought you wouldn't see with Tipman. Like sometimes he's not great even locating in space, which you expect would be like, you know, the top of his game right now. But when you can move like that at 6'6 and you're that powerful, there's so much upside for you to become an actual difference maker at center. Not, you know, the dude who's just there and decent, ranked 12th PFF, but you don't your offense doesn't really change much from. This guy could actually change your offense at the center position if he hits his ceiling. So I like him. Then finally, a couple of their tight ends that I think are just great value on day three. Luke Schoonmaker out of Michigan, just a great value, like a straight up great day three value. Has a great athletic profile and yet is talked about as only a day three guy. This is the type of guy, Nick, based on the film that I think if he had meh middling testing, he would be going where they're saying he's going to go now, like round four. The fact that he also tested as an elite athlete shows to me that something is wrong here. Um, maybe it's just bad quarterback play. Didn't get enough opportunities. That's what I'm banking on. Will Mallory out of Miami, been there for a while, had production early on in his career. Great mover in space. I just love the way that he can move with the football and without the football. To me, that gives you a chance at the next level uh, against NFL level competition. So those are the roundup of my rapid fire. My guys, Nick, anyone else you want to throw in there before we read off some mock drafts? I think Shoemaker is the Daniel Bellinger of this draft. And what yeah. I mean by that is he's going to get drafted in like the fourth round and he's going to have an immediate impact where like fantasy football players are like, Oh, the shoemaker guy's pretty good on the Texans or whatever the hell he goes. The dude ran a six, eight, one, three cone. It's pretty impressive. One more player. I think 
that we should both acknowledge because I know we both really respect his game is Cedric Tillman spent mm-hmm. most of this season hurt his 2021 stats and film is, is very, very impressive. He's just not going to be the, the biggest separator. I would say, I think he might get dinged a little bit too much for his lack of speed. He's not the most sudden receiver. Don't get me wrong, but for his size, like six, six, two, six, three, I think he's bigger than Quentin Johnston, 213 pounds, whatever he is, he moves fine. Okay. So like, I think he could be a, a really like prototypical X type of receiver at the next level. So I wanted to give him a shout out as well. Yeah. He moves great on the vertical plane and that's, you know, four, five, three, it's two thirteen is faster than those little guys who are running four fours because they have bigger stride length. And that's something I think is present in Stillman's game. So I like that call as well. All right, let's read off some mock drafts. I think we ended last on, on the one before this one. So this one will be CJ Barrett, one, three, two, three. I'm pretty sure we did not do this one, Nick, but if we did, you're going to have to correct me in the middle of it or something. So he did not make any trades because he said it's too unpredictable. But he does expect Joe Shane to part ways at least one draft pick. So he'll just wait to see what happens there. First round, Zay Flowers at 25, the wide receiver at BC. Julius Brents in round two at corner. Chandler Zavala in tier offense lineman NC State, 89. Uh, Olo Tuimi out of Michigan, the center, who's played a shit ton of snaps there at 128. Viliimi Fioku at 160. Clayton Tune, developmental quarterback, 170. Trey Dean, 209. Justin Shorter, 240. Christian Braswell, 243. And then last pick, they take Corey Trice. I love getting Corey Trice right there at the seventh round. That is insane value. He will likely go well before that. You get your wide receiver and your big bodied cornerback to start this draft. And I love that. And I also like how he addressed the interior offensive line with Savala and Oluwatimi back to back. That could realistically be your right guard and your center of the future or your left guard, depending on whatever the hell is going on with Josh Azudu. Fahoko is a six foot three, 276 pound edge rusher out of San Jose state had 47 tackles for a loss and 23 sacks throughout his career. 23 year old, you get him in the fifth round, it seems like that could be a player who could be rotational on Wink Martindale's defensive line. He can't align on the edge. We know Wink Martindale likes those bigger edge rushers, so that could fit Clayton Toon as your quarterback. That's the developmental guy. Dan and I have talked about him in the past. He's just a pretty damn good athlete in terms of uh, evading the pocket and escaping and extemporizing. He really maximized Tank Dell down there in Houston. Trey Dean, the third, is a safety out of Florida. There is another player out of Florida, Justin Shorter, who we got the next pick. So maybe our buddy CJ Barrett is a Florida fan. Justin Shorter is a wide receiver. Trey Dean is a six foot two, 200 pound safety. Christian Braswell is the Rutgers kid who had a 40 inch vertical, like a big bodied type of a uh, cornerback who is more than likely like he's projected to go undrafted. So you take a little flyer on him at pick 243. He's obviously explosive with that type of vertical. And then Corey Trice, as we talked about the Purdue defensive back, love that pick. So Overall, I'm going to give this a good solid B plus. I'm going a minus here because I love what you did with flowers and Brents to start the draft took two premium positions, both at least work toward improving the past defense and the past offense respectively um, with flowers first and then two interior offensive linemen. I just like the build here. You have some bet on traits guys at the end secondary. You have some bet on traits. You have a bet on trait guy as an edge rusher. You have a developmental quarterback. And you have two interior offensive linemen who could potentially help you as soon as this year, but maybe the year after more, more than likely, uh, you know, depending on how they develop tune this year is the one thing where I'm like, I'd rather use my mid round pick elsewhere because I'd rather just have Tyrod Taylor as the QB two. don't waste one of the roster spots on quarterback three 
And then just when Taylor's contract is up next year, you find the backup for Daniel Jones then. So A- minus for me here, CJ Barrett. Thanks for turning it in. Let's go on to the next one here. Um, this one is from Rios0152. So he has Deontay Banks falling to the Giants at 25. Joe Tittman at 57. A.T. Perry at 89. Chandler Zavall, 128. Dorian Williams, 160. Ronnie Hickman, 172. Fioku goes off the board again here, 209 this time. Jonah Tavai at 240. Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the quarterback at UCLA, 243. And then Troy Brown, the linebacker, 254. Yes, I love getting Deontay Banks and Joe Tittman. So right there, that is an absolute home run. Anytime Deontay Banks falls to pick 25, I'm going to be excited about it. A.T. Perry, I haven't done extensive work on him. Seems like he's an ex-wide receiver. I do question his ability to separate from the one game that I saw of him. Could have just been a poor game. Get him at 89. There's probably other receivers I would have preferred there from what I've seen. But 89, that's where we're going at wide receiver to address that need. Love Chandler Zavala at 128. Dorian Williams at 160 is really good value. High upside, long player, really rangy, sideline to sideline speed. Ronnie Hickman, safety out of Ohio State. Then Fahoku again at 209. Overall, man, and then DTR, look, look, I know what you just said about Clayton Tuna. I would be okay if the Giants got DTR with that seventh round pick just to see what they have in a player like that. So overall, I'm going to give this a, I think, a nice, strong B-plus again. I think someone will take a chance on DTR earlier than people expect just because he does have so many traits despite not being able to put it all together yet. Um, and we'll see what happens there. He's an older prospect too. This would be a B plus for me. I love Deontay Banks at 25. Tipman at 57 is fine for me. Like I like betting on the traits there, but I'm not like to me, I don't think any of the centers at 57 are a home run for me. Uh, yes, I prefer Tittman over Schmitz, despite having Schmitz in my center one. I'd still rather gamble on Tittman first. But either of them at 57 to me is just okay. It's fine. I'm hoping it works out. But I personally wouldn't want to take these types of centers at 57, which is still a very valuable range of the draft for corners and for wide receivers. In some ways, I'd honestly rather like, if you told me Joe Tittman was on the board, I don't care that we took Deontay Banks. I might rather take Julius Brent's and just really shore up that secondary and give us more swings there. I just am not worried about center, man. I think Bredesen can do it. I think they can. They found Gates who can do it out of nowhere. He's a tackle. Now he's a center. Feliciano was left by the other team, didn't even start there for all his games in Buffalo. Now he started for the Giants. He was fine. No, these guys weren't amazing, and I would love to get amazing center play. Trust me, I get it. But I'm not sold that Tittman or Schmitz or any of these guys are going to be amazing centers at the next level. Tittman to me is the best chance, sure, because of the movement skills and the size and the and the strength and just everything you want right now just from the build standpoint. But there's no guarantee there. And I'd just rather gamble on more important positions personally. So I'll be fine with that pick, but it's not as like, you know, you would expect for me to it's not, I'm not going to be as excited as you might expect from the Giants getting a badger there. Uh Perry is interesting to me, ton of production there, but there is definitely concern with coming from that system, which I've heard is very like not the Art Brile system, but very uh, fake stats type of system. Um, so just keep that in mind. I think he had like 20 crazy amount of touchdowns last year and just crazy production there. There's a good chance an AT Perry type of prospect to me could be another Brian Edwards. So we'll see there. Chandler's Zavala I love. So I like that at 128. I like the rest of this draft, but uh, B plus for me. A.T. Perry, Brian Edwards. Oh, that would suck for him. He's big, though, man. Six foot three, 198 pounds. That's the type of size that you want, but yep. can he separate? And that's going to be the big question. Yep. Let's do another one because we have a bunch, so we might as well get a couple more in. Munson, 516, gives us Joey Porter at 25 overall. 
57, Emmanuel Forbes. Ooh, I like that. He did exactly what I just talked about, corner, corner, which to me, I wouldn't mind. I actually kind of like it. Joe Tittman falls to 89, which I think is somewhat possible. Tajay Spears, 128. Michael Wilson out of Stanford, who we just talked about on this show, 160. It's already two players that we talked about on the show or three players that we talked about on the show. Um, Jay Ward at LSU, the safety, 209. Christian Asian, the safety out of Rutgers, 240. Uh, Anthony Oren, linebacker Vanderbilt, 243. Byron Young, the Alabama one, at 254. And then another Rutgers player, Avery Young, uh, to close out the draft. I don't have much on the two Rutgers safeties, but hey, you know, bring it home, baby. That's what we're talking about. Let's get New Jersey football back on the map. Dude, Joey Porter and Emmanuel Forbes, that would be one bold move. I don't know how much I love it, but damn, you need you need corners. And you know I've been pounding the drum for a cornerback, and I love Emmanuel Forbes, and I like both of these players. So bold, but creative, and I like creative mock drafts. Joe Tittman, you get him in the third round. I mean, that's a slam dunk. Taji Spears, absolutely love that. Michael Wilson, take a roll of the dice there. Jay Ward, add more guys to your to your secondary. And then Byron Young, just a nice defensive lineman out of Alabama, fundamentally sound, not the sexiest, like most Alabama defensive lineman. I'm going to give this, I'm going to give this a good B. This is going to be uh, a, a flat for me. And I was debating a plus um, it's almost like from a that. So let's just start with Porter at 25. I love that pick. Then 57 Emmanuel Forbes, like I'm down. So today we kind of heard, or at least I think Dan Duggan tweeted about it. There's no real movement at all on the Giants front when it comes to Dory Jackson, as far as extending that contract, trying to lower the cap it now. I don't think this regime is moving forward with a Dory Jackson for much longer. I think once it becomes a, to a point where that contract, they can get out of it without much dead cap, they're going to get out of it if they have a plan in place. But drafting one corner and Joey Porter does not guarantee that plan. We still don't know about Cordell Flott. He could ultimately be somebody who the Giants don't have long-term plans for. He's a third-round pick. Those don't always work out. It was always a projection pick to begin with. Secondly, Aaron Robinson, who knows at this point after an injury, will he ever be the same player? So there's a chance they're going to need like two to three corners in the next two years or more, really, because you play three on the field, there's injuries, you need depth. So if they take two corners here in Porter and Forbes, that really sets them up nicely. And they don't have to spend at that position potentially if both hit. So I love that. And then Joe Tittman at 89 is great value. I said I don't love him at 57. At 89, I do think it's great value. Tajay Spears, 128. This is this is back-to-back A-plus value. Michael Wilson, 160, another A-plus value. So it's really those three picks that bring this into the A range for me with Porter and Forbes. But to go Porter, Forbes, Tittman, Spears, Michael Wilson. I'm looking at it like that, Nick. Those five, I can come out of this draft with those five. That has to be, for me, at least an A. Yeah, Let's, you swayed me. You swayed oh, me. Oh, I have. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to go with a nice uh, B+. Plus. I got to bump okay. that up. I thought it was low initially. I want to apologize for Mr. Munson 516. But yeah, no, I, I like I like the way you broke that down. I will see, we'll see though if like a player like Tajay Spears could ever last to 128. But I guess it's not impossible. He's 5'9", 204. Like, it's not the most imp- – and he plays a position no one cares about. It's not literally <laughs> impossible, but I don't know. It's interesting. All right, let's do one more. It's from B. Cohen. We'll wrap up with this one. He says, my go-to podcast for all things Giants. I've recommended to many friends who now also listen, including an Eagles fan who wanted to balance perspective. I like that. Appreciate that. That's cool. All right. He gets Banks, Deontay Banks, 25. Cedric Tillman, the wide receiver of Tennessee at 57. Luke Whipler, center of Ohio State, 89. Israel Anapakanda. I never know how to pronounce this dude's name. The speedy guy who's still young, 128 out of pit. Uh, Ivan Pace, the linebacker, 160. Uh, I believe uh, the edge rusher out of Clemson, 
KJ Henry at 172. Redmond, defensive lineman at Oklahoma, who I don't know about at 209. Will Mallory, tight end out of Miami, 240. Hickman, uh, Ronnie Hickman, the safety out of Ohio State, 743. And then last pick is Bell, the wide receiver out of Michigan. What do you make of this mock, Nick? Ronnie Bell. Yeah, Ronnie Bell's an interesting one to get at the last. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how athletic he's going to be in the NFL, but he was a damn tough receiver for Michigan going over the middle of the field. I believe he tore his ACL in 2021. So get him in the seventh round, see if you can make anything of him. I love getting Banks. Cedric Tillman at 57. Look, I don't want to say he's not a fit because I think the Giants will figure out a way to maximize him. Getting him at 57, I, I believe he's a top 57 player in this draft class. So if the coaching staff believes in him, I'm going to support that. I like Luke Whipler at 89. Israel Abataconda is a um, just an explosive playmaker who would be an excellent change of pace for Saquon Barkley. Wish he was a little bit more physical for a man of his size. He's like 220 pounds, but he's just not like a... He doesn't have the, the best contact balance like like you would imagine a five foot eleven, two hundred and twenty pound back would have. Love pace, like Henry. So yeah, this is a good A for me. I'm giving this one a B. This is a solid B for me. Uh love banks at 25. That's A plus to begin this thing. Tillman at 57, probably closer to B B plus for me. I like Tillman. I like the profile, but I do want to feel a little i want to have some reservations about somebody coming from that art Biles type system i know it's not the same system but there just hasn't been much success coming from that system at the nfl level i think he has all the traits to get through that and for that to not matter but still to me there's a little bit more projection based on that at 57 i don't feel as comfortable luke whipler is just a weird prospect i just didn't see it with nick for whatever reason like he tested so athletically and yet when I watch him, I don't, I guess I don't necessarily see that athleticism on this full display at all times. So just a disconnect with me there with Whipler. I haven't been very high on him. Same thing you said about, uh, I don't know how to pronounce his name. The kid from the pit, the running back from Pitt, should be so much better to me when I watch him than, than what he is based on like, obviously the traits and what you see on paper. So that scared me a bit pace. Like is intriguing to me out of Cincinnati, but I just feel like that could be such a bit role at the NFL level. Like just the dude who you just put in on passing downs in the middle of your defense and you blitz him in the A, a gap or the B gap. Like I don't know. Like there's still there could be that could be all he is at the NFL level potentially if he doesn't develop in the way you would hope he would. So I just I'm not huge on him as I guess as others would be. Love Will Mallory obviously at 240, but um, definitely some interesting picks here. Like I. All players who I definitely can see the value on, I guess I just don't align as, as much as others would. So, um, so yeah, this will be a B for me. And we'll wrap up there. There's still a bunch more to get to because a bunch flew in this weekend. But we still have a few more pods to go. So we'll, we'll make sure we find a way to get all of your reviews. And remember, if you want your mock draft graded and reviewed, just put in a five-star review on iTunes and leave the mock in the review. That's how you get it. Otherwise, have a great rest of your week. We'll talk to you soon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.